0: This is the
1: MLW Radio
0: Network.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name?
0: Oh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah, yeah. From the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared the room. Shared the room. We really? Shared the room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we something. go way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Brocast. Bro-cast. Bro-cast. Yeah, that was
1: planned. Yeah, yeah. yeah well. What do we do?
0: spell it with a k so you might take it easy everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years but when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting one thing is
1: still guaranteed the shining wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news interviews with the greatest guests and of course tons of laughs and discussing the world of wrestling The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on randmradio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to shiningwizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho, Off the Top Roast Podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry... Then look for anything here, OTCR Headquarters. You catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and wherever that you get your podcast from with our, with our latest last week of wrestling, After Darks, Under Bosses Hard Taste, and now our new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Area, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love
0: everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. heart out. All right, guys, let's try this again. Welcome to another episode of Future Stars Now. My name is Mike and I think my mute, I was muted the whole time that I did my original introduction. Gosh, you know, what an amateur, what a hack. Anyway, uh, Future Stars Now is where we talk to all the upcoming stars and those making waves right now in professional wrestling. Tonight, we've got a great guest for us. It is Jaden Newman. Eight-year pros wrestled everywhere uh, down in the South, including IWA Mid-South. Can't wait to hear some stories about that and working with Ian Rotten. um, Had some great matches on uh, IWTV and cuts a damn good promo. I can tell you that doing my research. He he definitely gets all of his emotions into it. So without further ado, we don't need to hear me talk. Let's go ahead and let's bring him in. Jaden Newman, welcome to the program, buddy. Hey, thank you for having me. Good to finally hear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, um, all, in the world of podcasting, you're probably thinking, my God, they booked me and this guy can't even turn on his microphone. Hey, no, look, I totally understand. I do my own podcast and we've had technical difficulties, so you're completely okay. I got you. So it's, uh, it's so exciting getting to talk to wrestlers from all over the country, and in the research I was doing before our interview tonight, I've seen that you've wrestled in a lot of different places, and you've been doing this for eight years, and so I would say you are uh, a seasoned veteran, if you will. Would you consider yourself that? It's weird to say,
1: but the more like people that meet me, and like I tell them my experiences, they, they kind of say I am, so... I guess I'm somewhat of a veteran now, a a grizzled young vet, as they say, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's crazy. It's been an amazing journey, you know, uh, it's going to be nine years this August. So it's just, it's crazy, you know, at the age of 23 to have all that experience. It's honestly, it's a blessing.
0: Yeah. I mean, to, to break in the wrestling business so early and we're going to get into that, the, uh the early stages of, you know, what became your wrestling career in a, in a few moments here. But the uh, first thing I always like to ask people is, you know, how are you dealing with, uh, now getting back into wrestling full swing because, you know, with COVID and everything, how did that impact your career? What were some things that you were able to do during that downtime and how do you think you've emerged and changed ever since all of this? So that's a really good question. And
1: honestly, one of my favorite questions I get asked on, podcast appearances, because I actually didn't let off too much during uh, the time away, per se, because in the South, um, a lot of shows were still running within the safe confines of COVID protocols. So um, I was still able to get my reps. I was still able to perform in front of crowds. Very thankful that there was a platform like IWTV that was really doing big with with their live streams. Uh, So I was able to be on a bunch of those and still be seen by a lot of different eyes, even if it was only through, you know, their lens of their television at home. I was still able to entertain and I was going stronger than ever. And I really think that the time during COVID, you know, there were a couple uh, pauses, but nothing really let up. But I feel like a lot of what I did during like the really heavy time of COVID helped build to what I'm doing now in a way. So honestly, it was, it was a really, it was really positive and, you know, not positive as in a COVID test, like positive as in things that really impacted my career in a good way.
0: You know, it's interesting. You mentioned IWTV and since the formation of that, so many wrestlers have benefited from that. And it's so awesome because so many wrestling fans, depending on where you're located in the country, you may or may not be able to get out to certain shows, but with IWTV, it's almost like you got a front row seat in your living room to be able to catch so many different promotions, follow so many different stars that you might not have gotten a chance to follow if they weren't in your area. Um, Talk a little bit about what that's like, you know getting featured with IWTV and and how you feel like that platform has helped you expand and market yourself.
1: It's been great. You know, um, obviously with the WWE network, no longer being a thing, like you have a couple other wrestling streaming services out there, but IWTV to me is the number one because they're consistently pushing live streams, consistently pushing new content like iwtv branded content like they have things like the life of uh insert wrestler of the month they have the masked wrestler they have all sorts of different opportunities for you to showcase yourself and show people who you really are like outside of the ring as well and that's what makes iwtv such like a cool thing for professional wrestling uh obviously with the multitude of live streams that are held um and the different promotions that are featured it's the place to be like any show that is featured on iwtv is always going to be a goal of mine because that's where the eyes are in my opinion so um if you're an independent wrestler like iwtv i think is definitely a goal to like consistently be on there to be featured
0: when it comes to not only iwtv but branding yourself i mean you've been doing this for 8 years now Talk about the the luxuries, if you will, of being able to have the Twitter and the YouTube and you know the Facebook and all that kind of stuff being able to help get more exposure uh, with someone. Uh, I think that it's a it's a big part of building a brand is being able to make sure that people have access to you all over the place. So you definitely utilize YouTube very very well. Um, tell me a little bit about when you decided to start kind of putting yourself out there with YouTube. So it
1: really was more of a recent thing. I I was told a long time ago that whenever you're in professional wrestling or just in general like content creating, you're going to want to throw shit at the wall and see if it sticks. And I feel like that's all I really tried to do. Like if something doesn't work, all right, guess we're not going to do that again. Uh, you know, and then if it does work, like we just stick with it and then we ride the course until it's time to do something new. That's basically the thing. Evolution is the game, you know, because you can, you can't sit there and do the same thing over and over and over and over. There has to be, um, there has to be change. You have to adapt. And especially like from, cause this is going to sound weird saying from the time I started to now, how, much social media is a factor in like professional wrestling. Like we just think about this. So AEW,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? CM Punk's return, a rumor, just a rumor that was utilized by social media. And we got the biggest return probably in professional wrestling history.
0: It sold out an entire venue just on rumor and speculation within a matter of minutes. Yes, because of social media. Think about the age we're in. So, like, if you're not,
1: like, as a professional wrestler, if you're not trying to consistently figure out how to maneuver and how to do it correctly, even though there is no right or wrong way, but definitely there's a correct way by, you know, not being a piece of shit, (laughs) lack of better terms. Um, You know? Um, be entertaining, find things that genuinely entertain you and do it. Don't because people, that's the big thing. People can tell if someone's in genuine, I love doing the things I get to do. I love trying shit. And if it doesn't work, laughing about it because it's funny to me. Like that's, that's the beauty of independent wrestling. It's beauty of professional wrestling and content creating in general. Like if something doesn't work, oh man, that was a bad idea. Oh, well, back on the horse, you know? So it's really just like not being afraid to fail and doing what's what's natural to you. Like, make it something that you actually would want to read, something that you would actually want to watch. Because if it's
0: not, then why is anyone else going to want to watch it? Why is anyone else going to want to see it? Very true. So in your prior life, uh, before you got into professional wrestling, What was life like for you? Because let's, let's take the hands of time and let's wind it back eight years. What was the deciding factor at that moment in your life that you said, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and give this pro wrestling thing a try. Was it a situation where there was just a a chance encounter with somebody? Had it been something that you'd always wanted to do? Or was it something that, you know, somebody introduced you and you thought, you know what, what the hell, let's give it a try. So, Like most people, I was a lifelong wrestling fan.
1: I really remember discovering at the age of like six. But I started going to independent wrestling shows at the age of eight because my grandfather would take me to the flea market around here in Chattanooga. And we would always go to the booth, uh, the wrestling booth. And I was allowed to get like three DVDs. That was always the thing because there was like a $5 bin. So I would get like uh, three DVDs and... From then, I saw a Rey Mysterio DVD, and it was like his first WWE documentary, and it had the match with Eddie Guerrero on it, and I saw that, uh, and I was like, man, like, that's it, and that was like what made me go at the age of eight, like, this is what I want to do, so then, because of going to the wrestling booth every single weekend, just to like be around wrestling... I ended up discovering that there were shows in the area. So then I started going to said shows and, you know, I went to those shows for like two years. And once I turned like 10, I asked how I could be a professional wrestler and they were like, well, you're obviously too young, but like, I'll tell you what, and it was obviously a way for them to be like, let's see if you actually want to do this. Uh, They're like, well, if you turn 14 and like you get a parent's like consent and they can sign a waiver and, Yada, yada, yada. Like you're willing to wait. We'll train you at the age of 14. All right. So in that downtime, because I wanted to at least do something to stay active and get ready, uh, my family enrolled me into breakdance and tumbling. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about three years. And by no means am I a good dancer. I will never claim that. (laughs) But it definitely taught me a lot about what my body could do and how it can move and obviously as a wrestler super important so then once it came time to be for like once it came time to like train i was 14 i stopped breakdancing and tumbling and i committed fully to wrestling and it was from then on like it was just full steam ahead you know um
0: and that's really it <laughs> like that's wow. my story That's incredible. I mean, the age of 14, that's super early. You know, we've talked to some people who um, have started wrestling when professionally, when they were in high school um, as well. And they would say, you know, they got a paper they have to write and they're doing it backstage before they go out and have a match. And it's crazy to think that, but it's a new age right now where athletes are being groomed at a much earlier age. And to be 23 and have eight years experience. I mean, most people haven't even broken into the business yet and you have nearly a decade underneath you. What was it like when you decided to start training? What were those first early training sessions like and and who were the individuals who kind of took you under their wing? So
1: originally I was trained by, you're going to love this name. I was trained by, uh, the nature boy, Paul Lee originally. (laughs) And, uh, I wasn't there for very long. I was there for a year. And Paul, he taught me my fundamentals and such. But I got the shit beat out of me, you know. Uh, I, I paid my dues. I got the shit beat out of me. And um, from then on, like, I just, I it didn't feel like a home. Like, I could tell, like, I I just wasn't learning what I, like, like, I I felt what was to say uh, the runt of the group. Mm-hmm. And from then on, like, I was told by people that were also, like, training there, like, like, experienced wrestlers that were like, hey, like, he doesn't want to put his time into you, and you don't need to waste, like, any more time here if he doesn't want to teach you. So uh, then they brought me to a guy named Chip Hazard, and I trained with him for a little bit, and then I got on a show called AWE a few years later and I would then meet Carry Offel. So Carrie Offal would then retrain me completely and make me the wrestler that I am today. So Carrie, Carrie Offal, Nick Iggy, and Kevin Koo, those were the three guys that really took me under their wing and like taught me like right from wrong of professional wrestling and like really showed me how things were properly done in the, in between the ropes and outside of them as well. Like they taught me how to be a man first and a wrestler second, but be the best I could be at both.
0: Wow. Um, what was that like having to hit the reset button? I mean, obviously you had certain understandings of different things, but was when you got completely retrained, was it like, Oh my gosh, that's the way that's supposed to go. or Did you say, oh, okay, I can make some minor tweaks or was it completely 100% from ground zero, just completely all done new? It was, it was honestly, excuse me, it was honestly a mix of all of that
1: because like there were things that like I had taken from like what I had previously learned and I was able to apply it to what I was being taught, but then there was other things I was like, oh, wow, I've been doing this wrong the whole time, so It was refreshing because like, I'm very much like, I love to learn, especially whenever it comes like wrestling, like I, I cannot get enough of it. And that's how I feel everyone should be. But it was a great experience for that reason of like knowing that like I was learning something new and I was honestly starting from ground zero per se, because then that meant that like I was able to like right the wrongs that like I was taught and become a better performer out of it you know uh for most people like where they're retrained like because i i got retrained i think at five years in uh with Carrie and them so um most people like at five years in like would not be probably so open to the idea of being told that like per se their shit doesn't stink right or being told the shit stinks but um you know i was like i wanted to be told like that I needed work because there's like, there's no such thing as perfection in professional wrestling. So, anyone and anybody that could like give me any advice, like I would listen to it and like carry. And then they just like, s- like they, they suck, like they sunk their claws into me and then they just, they had me. Like, and then I was there as I was their piece of clay to mold. And now, like, It is what it is. And now like I teach kids as well. So uh, I run a school in Chattanooga called the TW Performance Combine out of TWE Chattanooga. And a lot of like the things that they taught me, like I pass on to my kids. So uh, it was really a good experience that, you know, like I said, taught me a lot about not only myself, but like about who I am like uh, as a wrestler too. And like who I could be as a trainer because I definitely want to be the best I can be when I'm teaching
0: the new generation as well. So when you went ahead and, and you completed your training and they, the powers that be determined you were ready for your, your first match, what, uh, how did that process evolve? Was it that you were booked through them or that they you know, put your name in? And then how did that first match all come about? So this is actually an interesting story.
1: So my first match was at the place that I now train people at TWE Chattanooga, which was opened originally by my grandfather. And, uh, he had decided that he was going to open TWE whilst I was training. And I had no clue that this was even an idea of his, you know, he had, you know, he had not had a wrestling background whatsoever. He had been around it because of me, but he had seen all these talents in our area that were just like not getting the opportunities that he felt they deserved. And like, weren't like being able to find a proper place to like go learn and get reps. So he wanted to create a place for like the future of our area. Um With that being said, then he started working on our venue. And next thing I know, I was being told that TWE is now a thing and that this is like, this is our home. And I was like, what? Like, and I, it was something I never asked for. And for, some reason that's like what a lot of people think was like oh like Jaden was just handed a wrestling show by his grandfather and that's not the case whatsoever like i had no clue i actually told him i was like you know i'm gonna get my ass beat for this (laughs) (laughs) and i did for many years a lot of people didn't respect me because they felt like i was just a young kid that was handed everything but you know how could i be handed something whenever i didn't even ask for it like it just was something that was like so weird that it happened but like I'm kind of glad it did because under you know that facility like I was I am able to like do the things I get to do now like I've taken over full responsibility of the building and like training and just everything um and I had to grow up fast in the business because then I had to learn like the business side of things as well so it was honestly a blessing but going back to my first match uh that's where I had it and um I had it against a guy named Chris crunk who was an old tag partner of mine and was also one of my first early mentors. Uh, don't know if I can say it now because he got a little heat on Twitter the other day, but, um, he, uh, but yeah, I had my first match against him and it was awesome because obviously it's your first match. You're never going to get another first match. Uh, so for what the moment was, I was very happy with it. Going back now, I would probably cringe, but I would never forget the emotions that I felt knowing that I got to debut in front of my friends, my family, and you know, make new fans that would grow on to still be fans
0: of mine now. So uh, can't get any better than that, honestly. No, definitely not. What was some feedback that you got after your first match? I honestly, I can't remember because
1: there was so much. (laughs) I was, um, and obviously, whenever you first start, like, I, most people aren't very good. And wrestling was something that, like, uh, it took a second for me to, like, really grasp and, like, learn how to work. So um, I was given a lot of feedback. Uh, The thing that helped me the most, I think, whenever I first started was that I had a character. Uh, so my first character in Fresh wrestling was the party starter, Jaden Newman. It absolutely makes me sick to my stomach now. Mm-hmm. when I think about it, but um, that's what I was. I came out and I had like these little rave fluffy boots. And like, I came out to like LMFAO and I was gyrating my hips at the, at a young age that could have easily put in some people in jail, probably. But, <laughs> It is what it is, but it taught me a lot of how to play a character first and then, like, also, like, learn to wrestle in the process because now, like, I have to wrestle around who I'm trying to portray. So it
0: helped a lot in that aspect. So you're going around and you've had your first match and now you're starting to, to hit the road. Who were some people that early on in your career you started to strike up some good friendships with and that you know you, you started to get a bond with? Because we've always heard that early on in careers, you know, some of the people that you come up with, um, they end up kind of becoming relationships that you foster for years to come. Was there anybody that you really gravitated to early on that you kind of latched on to and maybe started traveling with the different shows?
1: Yeah, so uh, there was a guy um he passed away recently god rest his soul he uh his name is drew game and um he was like one of my favorite wrestlers remember i was a kid so whenever i debuted he started wrestling at twe and he was like around it was my first program i got to work so with him after you know we had done our program he wanted to take me on the road so um he took me under his wing and drove me pretty much all over the southeast and we would just wrestle in at different shows like we would go uh, one time we did like this triple shot i remember and um it was like south pittsburgh uh rossville georgia and then red bank tennessee oh wow yeah like we did like a match at all three places and um he like he taught me a lot about like the business as well, but like he also like was like a father figure to me. And you know he he's someone that really meant a lot to me, not only like as a wrestler but as a person. Because I know I could call him uh, even if it didn't have to do with like wrestling, and he would pick up his phone and be there in a heartbeat. So uh, I miss him every day, and. Uh, Without him, I wouldn't have learned uh, the fun side of the business and that it's not
0: all just uh, bad people. I feel like in a lot of times, wrestling does get kind of a bad rap because there's always this stigma of, you know, watch out for these people or watch out for this person. But it's so refreshing to hear people say, you know what, that's not necessarily the case all the time and and everywhere. Um, Let me ask you this. Is there any promotions that you've worked with so far that just you mentioned feel like home um is there any promotions that you just really get excited when you know you're going back to is there any certain area that you like to return to yeah so there's actually
1: there's actually three um obviously twb chattanooga is home like that's home base for me but i always say action wrestling southern underground pro which I'm the current champion of right now and the Scenic City Invitational promotion uh, because those places are where I feel I really grew as a wrestler and got to come into my own, you know, Southern Underground Pro especially feels like such a home to me because that was where I got to, you know, meet my wife's side of the family for the first time. It's where I got to propose to my wife. Um, so it holds a very special like meaning to me to go to the basement East in Nashville, Tennessee, because of all the memories I've had the chance to create. And because I got to, it's another place. I just got to grow. Like I was supposed to be on the first show that they ever had, but I was too young. I couldn't even get in the first venue that they were going to run. So, you know, it's, it's awesome now to think that um, I'm able to represent them and I'm able to go back and I'm able to just, feel at home and just be excited to be amongst people that I trust, you know, because, uh, trust is super important in professional wrestling. You know, like you said, like it's refreshing to know that there are good sides to professional wrestling, even though it gets a bad rap. I promise there's good people out there. You just got to find them.
0: So early, on in your career, obviously, you know, you're, you're working different venues, different shows, different promotions. Uh, locker rooms. I know they, they probably vary from promotion to promotion, depending on you know who's running it or whatnot. Um, what are some interesting stories that you have from just being in, in locker rooms early on in your career? Did your trainers ever go over, Hey, this is what you probably should do as a rookie. This is what you shouldn't do. Anything uh, interesting like that, that you uh, might want to share with us. Not really. Like, they they gave me, like,
1: the proper etiquette of, like, make sure you shake hands, say hello, be genuine. But nothing really that, like, sticks out to me as far as they were like, don't do this, don't do that. um You know, whenever I first started, I was told, whenever you go to a show, you stay from the first match to the main event. And then you leave, like, obviously over the years, like, you know, things change, but, like, uh, I still try to do that as much as I can because, like, it's it's like a respect thing to the show. Um, and I genuinely, like, just love wrestling. So I want to watch, like, a show in its entirety. So there's that. Otherwise, no, there's nothing really crazy I can think of that, like, has happened in locker rooms. I mean, you know, most locker rooms that I've been in have been, like, super supportive. They push each other and that's how it should be like i get so sick and tired of like going to some shows and like the the locker room's just hostile and it's like um it's like straight up like everyone's trying to like worry about who's going to take their spot and it's like guys let's just not worry about that let's go out there and like give 110 percent and let's make the show as a whole better instead of worrying just about like our one thing we have to do like let those one things that we're doing add up in the macro view to make the show better and to make grand morale better
0: i don't know just get get rid of the egos no it it completely makes sense you know we've heard a lot of people say that it is difficult because you know wrestling is a very territorial thing Everybody yep. is concerned about how they're going to be presented or, you know, it, someone outshine them or the match ahead of them. They're, you know, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. I was planning on doing that. Um, is there any situations like that when you're on a card where, you know, it's just kind of openly discussed, okay, this is what we're going to be doing? Or someone says, well, this is what we're going to do in the main event. Try not to, to use this spot. Or is it basically just, hey, everybody kind of go out there and just do whatever... You have laid out. It really depends. I mean, obviously you don't want to
1: take away from the main event and you want to be respectful to what they're going to do because you don't want to like take away from the story that they're trying to tell. It really depends on the story that's needing to be told for what match you have, because at the end of the day, like that's the thing that's important. So In some locker rooms, yeah, let's go do whatever you want to do. Other locker rooms, it's hey, these are chapters. Chapter 1, Chapter 2, Chapter 3. Like, so it really just depends, you know. I I know that with my matches, I try to, as much as possible, stray away from what they're going to do in the main event or what Mm -hmm. other matches on the card are going to try and do. Because I want to figure out how I'm going to let mine stick out. I don't want Like, there can be some similarities. That's fine. It's professional wrestling. We're not going to reinvent the wheel here. But I want to find ways that I'm able to make my match stick out so that way whenever people leave, they go, Wow, you know, that was a good show. But that Jaden Newman match was wild. Like, even if it's just that one moment, like, or whatever it may be, I want them to leave talking about my match and then thinking about how, in the grand scheme of things, like from that match to a couple shows later, how it impacted the story we're trying to
0: tell. Have you ever had a situation where we've heard many different wrestlers make a comment that maybe if they're not on a show, but they're riding with people who are on the show, they'll make sure they bring their gear with them. It's always a make sure you have your gear no matter what. And then just kind of see if anybody needs you to, you know, fill in or anything like that. Have you ever had a situation before where you might've been in the car with somebody and traveling and maybe you're not booked, but uh, you still have your gear and you're ready to go?
1: Oh, 100%. Uh, Best example of this too was NGW based out of, um, based out of Knoxville, Tennessee now, but they were running in uh, Newport, Tennessee for the longest. Uh, Big, big company down this way um myself and now nathan fraser in the wwe uh in nxt uk uh we showed up to a show in knoxville that they were doing and we literally just helped set up a ring and they told us like you know hey like because y'all set up a ring would y'all like spot in the battle royal that we're gonna be doing and i was like yeah absolutely so um me and ben you know we had our gear luckily we set up the ring And we got in and we really stood out because we were trying to do things from the norm of a punch and kick. You know, we were doing character work and we were really trying to, like, make ourselves, like, stand out uh, in a way like that as opposed to, like, trying to do something crazy. It's also super dangerous, can hurt everyone else in the match. Um, So, yeah, no, there's definitely been situations to where just having your gear in the car, even if you're not booked has paid off and will pay off still to this day. It's a little bit
0: harder now, but it can happen still. Yeah. We've had a lot of people mention that. And, and I just find it to be so it's, it's shows how badly people want it, you know, yes. and it shows the dedication and the level of commitment and Hey, can I set up chairs? Hey, can I do this? Like you said before, Hey, can I go ahead and help put up the ring? Because, You're leaving these impressions on promoters that even if they don't have a spot for you, man, you know what? That Jaden Newman really left a really good feeling with me and I got his contact information now. And and look, this could be another place where, you know, another territory you can go through and make money. And it's those small things that I think you'd agree in the long run, they go really, really far.
1: Yeah. And that was the thing too. Like even after that show, like, Ben had to go back to campus because he was over in the States on a soccer scholarship. So he had to get back to campus cause he had like a test the next day or something. But like it was myself and uh, the promoter of the show literally just taking down the ring afterwards. Wow. And because of that, like I ended up having a spot with them for a while and you know, that's a thing too is like if you're like a wrestler like you're a talent that's wanting on a show and like you're offering your services to come help out like actually do it because you'll have people all the time they'll be like hi like i'm gonna come hang out i want to come do this you know i want to help set up chairs i want to do whatever but then like you look and like you see where they are they're off standing in a corner or like not somebody to talk to and it's like that's cool talk to your friends like if you know people there by all means I'm not telling you to be you know just off in a corner by yourself but don't be off in a corner not willing to work on a show that you know you're trying to get on like that's your that's your first impression like we said so you want to make sure that you're able to stand out in all ways including outside of the ring because let me tell you something in professional wrestling what we do outside of the ring affects more than what we do inside.
0: Well, it's, it's interesting. You had mentioned before, um, when we were talking about social media and you know, some people can, uh, can get heat. Oh that's yeah. just, that's just the way that's the nature of the beast. And it's funny cause I'm a, I'm a big football fan and they often tell people, you know, before the draft, think before you hit send. And w- would you agree that despite how you may feel about certain topics or whether somebody says something or not might hold back on that reply just because Once something's out there, it's always out there. And when you're building a brand and especially trying to get your name and, you know, build the confidence from the promoters, you don't want to give anybody a reason to throw stones and you just want to try to keep as neutral as you can and just try to stay as positive as you can. Oh, 100%. You know, um, there's just
1: some things that you don't need to talk about on social media. Um, But, like, if that's your hill to die on, by all means, like, I'm not going to judge you. But, like, I just know what I try to avoid to stay away from on social media because I want to be all-inclusive to my fans. I want to be all-inclusive to any uh, friends that I could potentially make as well. I want to be all-inclusive to promoters that potentially want to hire me to work because I don't want to, you know, seclude myself from... A target audience by any means. Like I want to make sure that I don't offend anyone. I want everyone to know that they are welcome to talk to me or have a conversation with me and that they won't be judged. Like that's, that's just a big thing for me. Like I I'm very much a judgment-free kind of person who will stand up for what's right when it calls for it. But, um, Whenever it comes to like things like you said, like topics that you know can get brought up on social media, like for the most part, you will not see me commenting on it because that's just like that's not people follow me to see wrestling, right? You know, I'm a character, so I'm gonna give them who I am
0: in wrestling. Um, and, and I don't want you to to tell me any financial details, but just kind of curious, just so our listeners can know. In the early stages of wrestling, we've heard sometimes there is no payoff. It's just for the experience. And we've heard sometimes you know, you'll know, you get some extra food from the concession or you know, sometimes people get lucky if they do get paid. As you go along, uh, for anybody listening to this, is $25 kind of – we've heard this a lot from people – $25.50 or would you say, you know what, depends on the promotion.
1: That's a good question. I mean, I definitely believe that you should be... If you if you are taking a bump in a ring, that you should be compensated. I do believe in that. Um, but, man, it really depends. It really depends. And not even on a matter of, like, the promotion because of, like, legacy bookings or anything like that. But it just... It really depends, like... Because you know you obviously hear it whenever you first start, oh, like you maybe get something from the concession or whatever yada yada yada, um, but you know it, like to get twenty five dollars whenever you're first starting is like awesome if you're getting like if you're getting like fifty to hundred when you're first starting, my God, like you know, if I would have got that whenever I was just starting, I would have thought I was rich, but <laughs> um. No, like, it really depends, you know. Uh, I like to think of it, like, over time, like, it's almost like building value. It's like it's like a piggy bank, right? So early on, like, you get, like, little bit, little bit, little bit. Over time, it starts to gradually build, build, build. And then you start making what is considered your worth or what um, people will then see as your worth. Now, I definitely think that, like, if you are taking, like, If you are wrestling for a certain amount of money and, like, that's the agreed price, you know, that's fine. And then if you want to read that behind closed doors, do that. That's completely okay. And you are entitled to do that. Um, You know, we shouldn't just have to take what we're offered and given. Like, we should value ourselves as professional wrestlers because that's the first word is professional. Like, this is a profession. So treat it as such. And you know, have respect for yourself as a professional wrestler, as an entertainer, to know uh to know your worth and know when uh it's time to have those talks. And it's and it's a hard thing to do sometimes. I will say that. Like I'm a very anxious person, you know. So uh those talks can be scary, but
0: you have to have them. It's a part right. of it. Speaking of that, you know it's it's difficult when you have to you not only make sure you're making something, but there's gas, there's food. If yep. you have to spend the night somewhere, you might be splitting stuff with people, and you know you obviously want to carry your your own weight when it comes to the group that you're staying with. But let me ask you also this: when it comes to getting gear, uh, whether it's singlets, tights, boots, all that kind of stuff, who was the individual? Maybe it was your trainers, or maybe it was somebody else that said, "Hey." you know what you need to talk to such and such this is where you can get wrestling gear i mean because as we know it's it's not something that's obviously readily available down the street you yeah. either have to know somebody or you know there's there's connections to make so how did you f- get your first set of gear and is it the same person you continue to go back to or how does that work for you that's actually funny you said it's not
1: all it's not readily down the street cuz i my gear maker actually lives down the street from me. <laughs> so that's very funny that you said yeah. that um who is one of my you know gear makers that has been making gear for me since pretty much i started getting custom gear uh but no my trainers didn't tell me how to get gear it was just like uh so for my first match i was gonna wear like volleyball shorts or something because like i just i had no way of how you got gear like that was a foreign concept to me uh, but obviously like, I guy had discovered like online just by looking up wrestling gear that there was websites like High Spots, Elucha. And I just I didn't have enough money at the time, obviously, at 14 years old, you know. So I was just like, oh, like I'll go to Academy and I'll get like these uh, volleyball uh, compression shorts. And uh, someone at the show was like, nope, nope, not doing that. And they just like gave me a pair of red trunks with a spiderweb on the butt. And I was like, that's cool. I guess I now wear trunks. So I never kind of (laughs) went back from that. But then later I would discover like on Facebook that, um, you know, there were custom gear makers. So I had then reached out to, um, a woman in Florida who had made me my first set of gear and, uh, wasn't the best, but it was custom. It was mine and I saved up for it. So it really meant a lot to me. And then after that I would venture out and I would, I would try different gear makers until I finally found the one who, oddly enough, lives right down the road from me. And, um, you know, he would go on to make my gear. And what's funny now is he actually works with uh, AEW, I believe. So, you know, he's he's really top class in making gear. But I also will work with other people whenever I have the chance. Like there's another guy I work with. Uh, his name's Tyler Thorne, Pro Wrestling Gear, I believe is the, yeah, Pro Wrestling wear is the name of his company and like he makes gear for like chris bay he made steve carino's gear for his return like he he does some really good stuff and he's a good friend of mine as well so i try to like whenever it comes to gear makers like keep it like relatively like within a close circle of like people of like hey like have you used this person before is he reliable what's the turnaround rate Because, like, that stuff's super important. Because there are a lot of good gear makers out there, but there's also a lot of really, really inconsistent ones. So I always want to make sure that uh, I'm working with the absolute best.
0: And right now, I am. So I'm super thankful for that. The other thing we hear a lot from wrestlers is, um, please wash your gear. We've had many wrestlers uh, comment on, You know what? People don't want to work with people who smell, please have good hygiene. Please make sure that you clean uh, your gear. And there was a story that we had heard that somebody had wrestled and I don't know if it was a Friday or Saturday night and they didn't have a gig till the following weekend. So they threw all their stuff in their gym bag and it was the, the dead of summer and they just threw it in the trunk and they went for their next booking. They pulled it out, and it reeked, and uh, hey, the show goes on. you got to put it on. But their opponent literally was grossed out and pissed off, and that individual said, uh, I got a pretty good, uh, laying them in pretty hard. Uh, Just as a reminder, please, please, please make sure you, uh, in between matches, you wash your stuff. Have you ever come across any stories about, Washing your gear or has anybody ever told you, Hey, you know, FYI, please make sure that you wash your gear. Was that something that you just thought that's just common sense? It's kind of common sense, but you know,
1: learning how to properly wash your gear is also important. You know, a lot of people make the mistake of just throwing it in the washer and the dryer, but like over time that can really mess up the materials of like spandex. So the best thing that I can recommend for anyone out there that needs to wash their gear, especially like with knee pads, like knee pads are probably one of the stinkiest things that we have. And it's not even like mint, like it's not something we like do intentionally, but it just happens, especially like with AMA knee pads. Um, So what I recommend doing with those is um, you can put them in the freezer and you can kill the odor like that and then you can do that probably about two times and then after every third time you wear them you need to wash them in the sink you know a mixture of hot and cold water 50 50 um use some wool light really get in there good and then you're going to rinse it and then you're going to let it air dry uh because you have just so much air you have so much like so many things that can go wrong if you put it in a washer
0: and a dryer. So hand wash, hand wash, hand wash, air dry, air dry, air dry. Great advice right there. So any aspiring wrestlers or you're just getting into the business, please make sure you listen to this episode because these are tips and tricks that, yeah, I think you'd agree, you learn as you go. There's so many things that you can be trained and you can talk you know, to other people about, but you would agree on the job training uh, with many occupations is, is mainly the way it is. You know, you might not even realize you come across a situation like this until it actually happens to you.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, you know, I've, I've been in like locker rooms with people who there never, their gear stank, And like, sometimes like it's unintentional. Like they really like, right. um, like, you know, sometimes like you've washed your gear and, like, you didn't have enough time for it to air dry or didn't air dry like you wanted it to. And, like, your gears kind of damp. and it has, like, that damp, like, somewhat smell. And it's like, Ooh. yeah, and you're just like, you're just like, oh, come on. And you're like, buddy, like, Febreze is a thing. Yes. <laughs> it's okay to Febreze. Like, we appreciate you trying, you know. So,
0: there's that, you know. You, you've been in different promotions, especially across the South, and – one thing that I find very interesting, it becomes or it has become a lot more popular in recent years, and it's the hardcore wrestling, it's the the violent wrestling, it's the blading, it's uh, the chairs, the light tubes, all that kind of stuff. What's your thoughts on that? Have you ever been in a promotion where that's been something that's been brought up to you? Um, you know, obviously we've seen Joey Janela uh, go off the top of a a roof with uh, John Zandig and then go in the back of a a pickup truck, which, once again, I I don't endorse anything like this because life can change in the blink of an eye. But how far would you be willing to go when it comes to, per se, hardcore matches or violent matches? So I have a very big respect
1: for hardcore wrestling and deathmatch wrestling in general. I actually was in my first deathmatch this past weekend for ICW No Holds Barred. In the Pit Fighter X. And it is a completely different animal than a regular wrestling match. But there's an art form to it. And there's an appreciation that I have so much for it. Because of like... Just how serious the implications can be if you do one wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So really like... You know, is it dangerous? Yes, but it's like a rush. And after this past weekend, like, I've been asked, like, is it something I would do again? And my big thing is I tell people it depends on what the story calls for. Sure. uh, The match I had recently was with Tank, and it was a legit – we had a 10-year beef, like, in real life – of like he didn't respect me because he was someone that thought I was handed everything, but he was just someone that really didn't know my story or take the time to get to know me. It wasn't until recently that like we got to know each other and like really like understand each other. So to be able to then pay that off in a match like we had, you know, it, it, it bonds you closer. So it's, it's something that isn't for everyone. I understand However, you should at least have a respect for it because those guys put their bodies on the line, especially in the COVID era. It became so popular, you know, that was like what was really like ruling the live streams so much during like uh, COVID. So, you know, companies like ICW, GCW, um, Zona down in Mexico, like there was a, like there's a bunch of different deathmatch companies that were just like really killing it at that time. And, you know, for a reason, because it's entertaining. It's art. It's just another form of art and art is subjective. So if you don't like
0: it, that's fine. Flavors of the ice cream. Yeah, no, I absolutely 100% because I feel like a lot of people knock different styles of wrestling. And I feel like it's not right because you can't necessarily say your preference is better or that no. is the way wrestling should be because there's a lot of different performers out there. There's a lot of different styles out there. There are things that get over with crowds in certain parts of the country that don't with other parts of the country. Exactly. So you really have to, from, from what I've learned, just as, as a podcaster and interviewer is that you got to listen to what the audience wants you to go with. And if you don't and you don't want, ad- like you said before, you have to adapt and evolve. If you don't do that, then I feel like you're you're limited to your range when it comes to performing and you don't want to be pigeonholed into, well, this is just the one thing that I do. You want to at least branch out to see, you know what? If I can do X,Y,Z, maybe this promoter who caught me on IWTV or caught my match on YouTube, says, you know what, let me bring them in because they have a repertoire that is more abundant than just one style.
1: 100%. Like it blows my mind. uh, Like recently, like I was on Twitter, and sometimes you just got to put Twitter down. Like I'm going to be real with you. You just got to sometimes put Twitter down because (laughs) – Got to walk away from it. Yeah, You just got to walk away from social media. And that's another important thing too I want to throw out there is just knowing when to walk away from it. Sometimes it's hard. Like my wife has to tell me all the time, Jaden, put down your phone. We're going to bed. But then like I just get wrapped up in it. Don't get so wrapped up in social media. We're all guilty of it. But going back to what I was saying, like I, I've been seeing like the comments about like the Minoru Suzuki Effie match that was announced. Mm-hmm. And it's like so weird to me that like people are like saying these negative things about like, this match. And it's like, guys, how are y'all gonna shit on a match that hasn't one hasn't happened yet? And two, you don't even know, like, what is going to be brought stylistically. Like, you're just assuming you know what Effie's going to do in this situation. Like, and Effie, for me, is really one of the most influential wrestlers of our era as far as independent wrestling goes. Like, how, like, in the early 2000s we had, say, like, you know, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, John Moxley, all those guys like i feel like he's very much that to like our generation of independent wrestling because he has done it his own way and he's found what works for him and he's found ways to evolve and adapt like we're talking about you know he can do comedy but he's not just comedy you know effie's whatever the hell effie wants to be
0: you know well it, it sells tickets It's exactly pa- it sells and that's the most important thing i mean i think you would agree no matter what style it is if the building's filled Someone's doing something right because if that wasn't the case, no one would be showing up. Exactly. Orange Cassidy is
1: another example you hear all the time. People say stuff about Orange Cassidy. He may not be your flavor of ice cream, but he's pretty damn tasty to someone else. Absolutely. And 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 he must be tasty enough for the line to be filled out the building with people with their hands in the pocket wearing sunglasses. You know, like
0: that's it. It's so funny. There's people that will knock a wrestler, but then, you know, the minute they go to a show, they're marking out for them. And it's like, wait a minute, hold on. You were just saying yada, yada, yada on social media. But people talk out of both sides of their mouth, no matter what the topic may be. Oh, 100%. And like, it's so funny. Like, you
1: see, like, what you just said, like, for example, like, you see that a lot whenever people go and get signed or like they go and move on to like a big indie promotion. Like that's where it really starts to become more prevalent is because like they talked all that hot shit whenever they're on the indies and they weren't doing that big of stuff. But then like whenever they get on these bigger indies and like they get signed to a company, then they're like, oh my God, like we were with you the whole time. And it's like, no, you weren't. Like you were affecting my mental health by some of the things you said. <laughs> now you wanna like, and now you like now that's not everyone, may I may I say, but like obviously we know that social media can be very toxic, which is why I'm so thankful that we can mute words and we can like block accounts, you know. Say what you want. Like I've heard people sit there and be like, Oh, well, you're a you're a bitch if you block accounts. I don't care.
0: I want to do what's best for me at the end yep, of the day. I agree. Well, I tell you what, we are running low here on time. But the one thing I do want to do, there's a couple of things. The first thing I want to do is go ahead and and promote. uh, You have a store store at Pro Wrestling Tees. Let people know where they can get your merchandise, uh, your social media accounts, how they can follow you, where you're going to be appearing next. Give us all the details so we can find out what's next with Jaden Newman. Yeah, absolutely. So, like
1: you said, I have a pro wrestling Tees. You can find that at pro backslash Jaden Newman. I also have a T public account. So, you can go on there. It's T public backslash user backslash Jaden for real. And then for social media, you can find me on Twitter at Jaden for real. You can find me on Instagram at one That's Jaden One Newman. That's J A D E N one Newman, J A D E N number four real for Twitter. And I promise I am not a female basketball player. I am a professional wrestler. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. Uh, oh. So with that as well, you can find me on TikTok. I post on there occasionally. YouTube, I'm on there. And as far as my upcoming events, this Thursday, I'll be making my debut for Beyond Wrestling at Wrestling Open versus the prize, Alec Price, for the Southern Underground Pro Storm Championship. My first time defending, and I'm very excited for that see here. Friday, I will be at Pro Wrestling Grind. I will not be wrestling Matt Mikowski like originally planned. Cards subject to change, but he has just announced that he is injured. So pray for him. Uh, You know, speedy recovery to him. I hate that he's out. I was very excited for the match. But you know what? Whenever he gets better, we will run that back. And then on Saturday, you can find me right back in the old, uh, in the old TriStar State, Tennessee, in La fall at Tennessee for Southern Pride Championship Wrestling. And then at the end of the month on March 26th, I will be wrestling Brutal Bob Evans in
0: an Ironman match, a 60-minute Ironman match wow. at TWE Chattanooga in Red Bank, Tennessee. So if people want to book you, what is the best way if they're listening to this and they say, I want to book Jaden Newman. What's the best way to reach out to you, DM or email? or? Yeah, you can reach out to me in my DMs, or if you want to, you can email me at jadennewmanbookings at gmail.com. Beautiful. Jaden, it has been so much fun. And there's so much more meat on the bone. So many more things I feel like we can talk about. Is there any chance that I can twist your arm to come back and we can do another part two? Hey, start twisting. I'm down to come back anytime. (laughs) That's fantastic. Jaden, thank you so much. Stay safe and healthy. And we'll talk to you down the road. Same to you, my man. Thanks. All right, guys, that's Jaden Newman. Uh, Great interview. You know, so honest and frank and sincere about not only his passion for wrestling, but his in drive and who's inspired him. And I loved hearing the story about the Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, uh, bargain bin with the DVDs and, you know, how he's been training and now he's training other people as well. And just the etiquette, the locker room etiquette, and definitely clean your gear. And he gave us some great tips about that as well. Definitely wool light and make sure you air dry. Um, I just love, and I'm so fortunate to be able to to talk to these wrestlers, because these are the people that are going to be headlining pay-per-views in the next for the next 20, 30 years, and to be able to get on the ground floor and talk to them and see them succeed is uh, is a blessing for me because I'm just sitting out in uh, in a chair and just holding the microphone, but they're the ones who make memories and uh, who definitely make this business what it is today. So once again, thank you to jade newman please make sure you follow him on all his social media accounts go ahead and purchase his merchandise as well and that's the big thing too you love wrestling support independent wrestlers support them i cannot say it enough buy a t-shirt if you're at a show go up to their table uh, shake their hand let them know how much that you appreciate them all right guys that is going to do it for future stars now it has been fun once again my name is mike freeland don't forget each and every friday uh, front row material podcast And Future Stars Now, the audio version, drops on all major forms of uh, podcasting. And go ahead and subscribe to our Twitter account Um, and follow our Twitch account, which is twitch.tv forward slash frmpod. All right, I'm winded. I need something to drink, but this has been fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. We'll catch you next time on Future Stars Now. The world of NLW Radio never stops.